0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Our guest today is no stranger around these parts. With us is Chris White, a longtime community activist. And we're going to talk about a host of issues today, kind of like what we do with our talk, our chop shop. And we're going to talk about uh, Kid Rock pulling his restaurant from LCA. A new lawsuit against uh, Detroit challenging the voting rolls. Um, We're going to talk a little about DPD and a number of other issues that are facing Detroit. So welcome, Chris.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: For sure. I'm glad, I'm glad you're here, too. You know, when you, when you say let's do this, it's already done. Hey, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, before we get to uh, some of the other important issues of the day, I want you to get to, some, get to something that's really near and dear to your heart. Okay. Why don't you talk about your son and what your what your son is doing these days? Oh, um, because it's been all over everybody's Facebook page. And um, why don't you you let the Detroit and the Metro Detroit area know what's going on with your son?
0: Oh, you know, um, my son Owen White. Uh, he just turned sixteen, and uh, he his goal is to be, and we say he is. He says he is the first uh, autistic sports broadcaster. He has his own business. It's called 1108 Sports Network, and we're going on a year uh, Christmas. It was his Christmas gift last year was to incorporate a business. He's a junior at Southfield High, where he maintains a 3.8 uh, grade average in mainstream classes. And what he's doing is amazing. Not only is he uh, interviewing uh, people or sports figures, his 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 slogan is sports through the lens of autism. And he uh, has a goal, and his vision is to bring the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, to the city of Detroit. He went as far as to establish a partnership with uh, Mike Beagley, who's head of all uh, communications and strategy for the U.S. Olympic Committee. Okay. And he uh, hosted two Olympic days, one at Southfield A&T and one at Malcolm X. So these are just some of the things he's, he's doing. He's an amazing young man and he's been in mainstream classes. And, you know, without the work of his mother and myself, I mean, he teaches us things every, every, every day and he has sports Saturdays. That's one of his shows, but you should really see, uh, his plan to bring the Olympics to Detroit and Windsor. Okay. He wants to split it between Detroit and Windsor and he has a whole plan. Yeah.
1: That's, I mean, that's a good idea. I mean, clearly, um, some of the Olympics has gone as far as four hours from your main city. So you yeah. really could partner, um, in Olympics between Toronto and Detroit as well. Yeah. So, um, clearly he's thinking on
0: that level. He and, is. And he
1: is. that's a great thing.
0: And he actually, when he, when he met, he has conference calls with the United States Olympics and, uh, they explained to him, you know, some of what happens. He said that, you know, the people from the Olympics said that if the Olympics came to Detroit, they said that there would probably be events in Toledo. There would be events as far as um, Kalamazoo, yeah. and when you see it on TV, you don't, you don't, you can't factor you that how in. Mass- you, you don't know how massive, massive it, is. it is. So Absolutely. he's really, he his 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 work is amazing. He writes his script. And when he does an interview, he writes about 40 percent of questions. I write the other 60 and they're all, you know, uh, we all team up, me, mom and him. And he goes over this. So it's really amazing. He has support of the school, the community and people like yourself that that are experts in the field that he knows he can lean on.
1: Absolutely. You know, I listen to it. You know, I see it on every Saturday. And so since I do that, I had to let. Uh, Folks know what you do outside of your community activism yeah. role that, you know, you're doing your thing as a dad um, oh, because we it's... have to appreciate what dads do around here.
0: Yeah we got parent teacher conference at four o'clock. OK, you know, and I, I try to be up at the school at least three times a week. And some of the things I've done, certain jobs I've selected, I always, you know, make it clear that I do have to spend time at the school Absolutely. and I encourage anyone To always do that, to spend time at the school, and even if you don't have kids, find a school and volunteer. And you will be amazed at what you will learn, and you will be amazed at how much of a better person you will become if you stay involved with with your school district. Absolutely. I mean, staying
1: involved with the school district, but but also um, helping with your children. I, I, I recall something that happened to me earlier this week. Um, my daughter was struggling with putting together a project that is due okay. uh, real soon, and it was a you know after I began helping with her, her whole demeanor popped up. It was yeah. like she went from being um, scared and timid and worried about how she was getting that project done to a child who my dad is helping me. Oh my god, my dad <laughs> is helping me, and then she was able to get it done, and, and so. I'm I'm really reiterating how how important
0: um dads and moms are to their children. Oh yeah, we 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 make a big difference. Our fathers make a difference and moms to check us when we the fun part is uh when I'm doing something with Owen and and me and him get on our own thing and mama bring us back to the reality. Right. Right. <laughs> All right, well
1: let's let's get down to what we're going to talk about today cuz we got a lot of stuff on the plate. Um so let's start with Kid Rock. I mean, he pulled his restaurant from LCA. Um, I want you to discuss your thoughts and what this means, given the rhetoric that Kid Rock has put in the public
0: sphere recently. I think that this is a major development. I think it's long overdue. I feel that it should not have never been there in the first place. On the part of the Illegis, it was tone deaf to have them in the stadium. And the arena. And then to make this happen, the, when he made these comments about Oprah Winfrey, which was just the tip of the iceberg the comments about Kaepernick, the uh, waving of the Confederate flag at the concerts, the support of Mitt Romney and Donald Trump, uh, the um, beating up of an African American male uh, at the Waffle House. On top of that, the um, disparaging remarks he made about Beyonce. So when you look at his history, and those of us from Detroit, we know him. You know what I mean? And in the hip-hop community, and you, you know, we we go way back. And he wasn't a good artist then, right. you know, and Chamtown, his DJ, was really, you know, the one that made things happen. But to go back to 2019, um, this was important and all the community groups that fought to make this happen uh, should be applauded and rewarded. It sends a message that this racist behavior should not be tolerated in the city of Detroit and that the narrative that brought him here has to be challenged. Now, one thing I would like to see is his name removed off the Eastern Market as well as dealing with the historical museum and and what he did over there. So this is just the beginning, okay. you know. And and I want to talk to you about a little
1: bit more of a controversial issue uh, uh, in our community, Um, the award that Kit Rock received from the NAACP. Talk a little bit about that and why folks want um, that uh, award taken away.
0: That award should be uh, rescinded. And I want people to understand uh, that, you know, Reverend Anthony, he's done some good over his years of leadership. This was a bad decision. It should have never uh, been awarded to him. And I understand that he put out a news release, and I read the news release five times. And some of the mistakes, you know, not to be petty, but he called me Detroit native. He was never born in Detroit, he was born in Romeo, and he grew up rich. So let's let, let that be known. He grew up rich. He did not grow up as some uh, poor white individual in the southern areas that uh had this flag. He grew up rich and his father was one of the uh biggest automobile dealers in the entire country. So some of the mistakes uh that that were in the news release bothered me. But when you've been a leader in a leadership position like the president Anthony, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that you made an error. I think that ego is in the way and his refusal to give it back is based upon the individuals who have made the demand and instead of looking at the big picture that if you give it back take it back then you're you're striking a blow against bigotry see to not give to take to not take the war back bigotry wins see the issue is the contradiction of if the Illegis could remove him from their arena And it's really ours because we pay for it with our tax dollars. If the Illages could get rid of Kid Rock and their purpose is to make a profit, then our civil rights organizations have no other alternative but to get rid of uh, Kid Rock. And not only that, they should move to make sure an African-American business gets in, in its place and remove his name off of the Eastern market as well as the historical museum but he did because that's not a reflection of what our city is. So my concern with the branch is they're doubling down on not giving back the award. And when you're in that position, it can only be one reason why. It's ego. You know, it's ego and it's who are who's making the demand. And that's an issue we have to deal with in our community. Class, status, wrong is wrong. And he is given... Uh, Reverend Anthony and the branch enough more than enough reasons for them to rescind the award. And the question then becomes what are you going to do when we get his name taken off the Eastern market? And what are you going to do when we get around to the historical museum? Are you going to be the only entity that still supports him by not taking the award back? It's what he stands for, the bigotry. And that's what the NAACP was created to stop out. You see. Okay, well, let's kind of move on to our next
1: issue. Um, And and you are you have been involved with this particular issue for a long time. And we're talking about um, voting in Detroit.
0: Yes. And
1: uh, yesterday there was a lawsuit that was filed uh, against the city that alleged that eighty five thousand dead people are on the rolls in Detroit. Okay, discuss a little bit that discuss that. And what it sort of means for Detroit, given that this cloud of of what our voting roles are has been over over Detroit's head for at least 25 years yes. or so, yes. if not longer. Yes. So talk to me. Baby a little, Chicago. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> so talk, talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Now, I know that um, I'm going to read the lawsuit. I'm going to read in its entirety. I know there are two factions. There are some that are arguing that the bottom line is roles do need to be clean, clear. They do. They need to be cleared. And if you take a look at the census, you will find uh, that and you match it up against the number of registered voters. What you will find is that there are more people registered to vote than there probably are people 18 or over listed in the city of Detroit. Now, the issue is, is this going on statewide? I would like to see that. But since the suit is filed in Detroit, we have to speak to the subject at hand. And I think that it's something that does have to be done. Uh, We have to also make sure that it's not part, we need to find out who filed it, who funds them, uh, what is their interest? Is there a chain uh, of, of lawsuits going across the country in black areas to deal with black voting rolls or is it a statewide thing to deal with dead people in white areas too because the question becomes as this as this progresses in 2019 and this suit goes on and we're in 2020 will this suit be used to uh tied to voter suppression and things of that nature so we have to do the voting rolls need to be clean yes if you're the city clerk what I would do is I would immediately start having community meetings because, you know, she's been in for a while and I know her and I know, you know, that I have a a relationship with her, not a contractual one or anything like that, but I do know her and her husband very well. And I would uh, at least come to the community. I would take the approach of not being defensive. I would come to the community and start to educating of the community on, on what's going on. What have you already done? Have you cleared any of the roles? If you aren't, let us know that. And we have to make sure that this suit is not part of a bigger issue to deal with 2020, because if this happens in majority black cities and we have the same issues out state, out state in uh, places uh, in Ohio, outstate in Pennsylvania and areas that are going to be swing states and we jump on it, then we had to also be prepared for what can come down the line. So as a strategist, I have to look at everything. Of course, the roads need to be clean. And, and we have to look at it from a systems standpoint, but the clerk's job is to get out here And to let the people know, here's what I've done. She needs to be sitting in this chair next week or next to explain what, you know, she's done. Because there are a lot of activists like myself, they will be questioning. But look at the big
1: situation, too. Right. And and that was kind of what I was getting to was is that, you know, anecdotally, you know, we've dealt with this issue with Jackie Curry. Yes. Um, We've dealt with this issue. With James Bradley ben Bradley with, and and on and on and on. Right. And so, you know, my question sort of is kind of what I deal with with DPD, because I'm going to ask the same question later yeah. with this. Is is this about a trust factor uh, in the clerk's office and whether or not our elections are run um, clean and fairly? And I right. think that is, to me, the big the biggest issue that's going on right? O- outside of the voter suppression issue because clearly voter suppression is, you know, very widespread and is the the right. issue of the day.
0: Yeah, it will um, show back up next year. It's right. gonna, it's gonna, Absolutely. Just like Monday comes after Sunday, we are guaranteed to have some voter suppression, but we do elect the clerk and her job is to make sure that that is prevented. And like I said, if I'm them, I'm on the horn right now. I'm setting up community meetings, and I'm setting them up prepared to take the tough questions and the criticisms. You you know you don't have to shy away from that. You you you've been in office, and it's been over ten ten plus years. So you you understand the community. Uh, you know who's going to ask you the tough questions. You know who's going to yell at you. You know who's going to want to march. You know all of that, so come on out and just uh deal with this this issue and and get it over with as fast as you can. So I'm I'm interested too, and I would like I'm I'm gonna read the lawsuit. Right. I will read it and I will study who's behind it. But that doesn't mean sometimes that there are parts that don't have merit. Sometimes there are facts within the agenda that you have to uh clean up. Is like cops. If you say well cops are out to get black males, well, if you're riding with a bad license, you can you you can contribute to being uh pulled over. So, you know, sometimes the narrative is uh is out to get us, but we have to do everything we can to make sure that we're handling our business so that gives people like myself, you and everyone a better chance of fighting these narratives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Clearly, one man, one vote is is the fundamental tenet of what's been going on. Right. So,
0: you know, we don't want one man, two votes, right? three or four
1: or one dead man, one vote.
0: (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? And so two dead men versus one live person, three votes. (laughs) Right.
1: You know, and 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 we're coming from or at least I'm coming from the vantage point of, you know, the days of of Jackie Curry. And you get to about 60 or 7 percent of all the voting um is done in Detroit or we think it's done in Detroit right. and it reached a stop. It, you know, and then right. they, they would not finish tallying until six or seven o'clock in, in the morning, which made people really wonder um and what it happened? fed into um the conspiracy theories as to right. what
0: happened. What happened? Um, but the Mike Duggan uh in that adds to it. Right. And that's what if you're the clerk, you're looking at that. Now the other thing that I like to add to it is that the other reason why you clean the rolls? Is what you will find. Now, here's what I believe, and I've done a formula. I just don't have it in front of me. I'm like the DOC, but this time I don't have a formula. But I, 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 um, the formula that we've done shows that if you take a look at the accurate rolls, that voter participation is actually up. And people won't understand that. they say, man, Krista lost his mind. We was, we was with him until he said that. But voter participation is up because the data that's used is based upon that number that's in front of us. And if that number of registered voters is higher than there are people that's actually 18 in the census, if you get that number right, what you're more than likely going to find is that we have been voting when the population is properly uh, set up. That and, and correct it. That the voters' participation is not as bad as people think. Could it be better? Oh yeah. Does it have to be better? Yeah, especially next year. But it makes the issue hard when we have numbers that aren't, you know, on on the up and up. Sure, sure. And the trust factor always kicks in, right? From candidates, from uh, people who may. Want to run for office and say, man, I'm not gonna do that because it's not gonna they're not gonna do the votes the right way anyway. So it's it's a civic literacy piece. And I'm hoping that this suit brings something out, some discussion. Okay.
1: This was an issue that that uh the the issue I'm gonna ask you about because uh I didn't plan on, on talking about this issue, but it hit the media this this afternoon or first thing this morning. Okay. Um, Kim Trent resigned from the Board of Governors at Wayne State University and yes. is going to take um, a job with uh, Governor Whipner. Yes. And so we know of, of all of the uh, back and forth and all of the um, issues that have been going on with the Board of Governors at yes. Wayne State. So what does her um, move mean? Um, for that, and um, what can you see, what, try to forecast what, what may happen down the road?
0: Okay, if you're looking at it from the university's perspective, I, you know, if you're a community person or or someone, or, or a faction of the community, because everyone claims to be the community, uh, some will view this as musical chairs. I'm never against somebody eating. But some will view this as musical chairs and the same people are being uh, retreaded. But when we look at it from the university, the issue is is staccato. Does she... Um, Will she operate in the matter that Trent operated? Because she was a strong Wilson supporter. How was the operate? Some would say, of course, if she was appointed, she would hold some of the same views. But if you're Wilson, my position is always if you don't have a majority of your board and if you're not managing your board, you got to go. Whenever it's to a point where um, you have to be the ex-official to get a meeting started and every meeting ends up in court, then, as a professional, I would leave. Now, of course, you have those that support him, and and a lot of it's because he's an African American uh, president. But from if if you have that much juice, we can always get another one. Now, I don't know enough about the issues all the way down sure. into the city, into the university. I know those who support him. They support him, but they have not provided me with anything to show why they should support him. And from the way that those that are uh, against them have been uh, uh, written about, it they have not demonstrated enough to show why they're against them. And I'm not a mill to roll politician. I'm just saying it as I see it. So, as a head of of the organization or the institution. If it was me in that position, I don't care how much money is paying, how many perks, I'm out of there. Because once something, a relationship is that damaged with a board, you can't effectively govern because within the organization you have faculty senates and different departments and lots of different uh, divisions in the university where potential coups are taking place and things of that nature. So I think that when you take the emotions out on both sides, those that are out to eliminate Wilson, those that support him. Uh, If you take a look at it from a managerial standpoint, there's no way that he can adequately and properly govern the school, the university, because the fracture is too big and it's only going to get worse. And if you're the governor, then you have to look at that because that's one of our, that's like maybe our third largest uh, university. And you can't have this type of stuff going on. So you have to take a, Real look into it, but you have to do it uh, from a non-biased relationship viewpoint. I don't think the governor is capable of doing that right now. I think that her decisions are based upon relationships, which is politics to a degree. But we do need uh, some fresh energy in some of these uh, positions. Sure, And and from
1: my vantage point, um, the board of governors at Wayne State reminds me of uh, the city council of 2000 yeah Uh, when you had two sides that were you know right opposed on everything right. it didn't matter what came before the council
0: just, we they were just going to fight right, you know fight. And,
1: I, and I recall uh, Kay Everett at one point saying on one particular vote you may have won the battle but we won the war <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so that that let me know. You know, well, I knew from day one that they were going to be a fractured body, and I wrote about it right. in that kind of way. But um, it it that's what the board of governors at Wayne State reminds me yes. of, and because of that, what will happen in terms of the leadership yes. that 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 follows Kim Trent because right. when, because when she leaves. She obviously there will be no more. There will have to be another vote for a chairperson, right? And so, talk to me about some of that. Some of that dynamic of of what may happen, just from a, a political standpoint.
0: Yeah, that's going to be interesting because then we're going to have the different uh, factions within the city and the different uh, nationalities that's going to want to weigh in. Uh, I believe that you know if Stancato was then she would be more in line to carry on, you know, Trent's style of governance after she's gone. The question is uh, what happens then and can she use her experience as being a a CEO of a nonprofit, a major nonprofit in, in our area to really look at it unbiased and try to move the institution forward? Personally, I don't see that. I see the politics taking taking the fray over it. But you know who will be, and then the vote could end up in court. Now, I could see that happening. I could see whoever becomes chair, whoever's vice chair would want to move up, and then there'd be a battle over who's gonna run the meetings. And it's not it's it's not going to look real good.
1: And is she ready for this because? You know, I put um, her in the same kind of category as when Joanne Watson joined the council. Yes. After Brenda Scott passed. Yes. And she was able to kind of be a bridge builder among a group that couldn't get along at all. Because then you added another strong personality to um, the elected body. And so.
0: And Watson understands. Still to this day, as a professor at the college, Wayne State, uh, Wayne County Community College, she understands and is from our community and loves her community. And she's going to die loving the community. Hopefully that'll be in 50 or 60 more years because we need her living forever. And uh, she uh, she brought uh, that to the position. And that's not Stan Cottle. We're talking about a whole different leadership style. We're talking about someone who carries the narrative and the agenda that, um, that's not good for the university and that's not good for the students down there. And I think that no one on either side is really looking at the students because sometimes and haven't been in the many battles. You can get so caught up in the battle that you forget the end game and you just want to win. And if you fight so hard, if you're not a principal or if you're not balancing your thinking, you forget what the win is. You think the fight is the win. And that's on both sides. See, that's not most people would think I'm talking about the faction that's against Wilson. That's the faction that's for Wilson. Because when I see people who stand with him, if you ask them why, either they're benefiting individually or they're somehow you could probably track some money back to him they won't tell you about five things that he's done to improve the university. They won't tell you about what they're bringing to the table to improve the university. They may say we need him because he's black, or they may say uh, that we need to all work together. It's never anything like in five years, this is where I want Wayne state to be. And I believe Wilson can do it because I'm working with him on this. So when you align yourself with somebody And it's a public corporation or institution. You best better be trying to do something to improve humanity. And that's the problem, because if that's really going on, you're not going to have these uh, factions. There are some institutions that are working very well. Henry Ford Hospital is one of them. Uh, WC3 is another one. There are strong African-American men that run these two institutions. You don't have all that stuff that's happening over at Wayne State happening down there. You see what I mean? That's Absolutely. because the mission uh is is bigger than the individual. And whoever is in charge knows how to bring individuals together. You know, so it's interesting, you know, you know, she she's gonna be working for the governor. Okay. Hey, that's how that goes, you know. Right. I've never been against someone eating. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm not against anybody.
1: You know, <laughs> progressing. Yeah, you I'm know? Not, So that's not eating. the issue at all. Right. You know. But because of, but because her, but mood when you leave behind? Leaves behind a whole lot of stuff. It, we certainly had to talk about this today. Definitely,
0: you know? because it's 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 breaking news, and um, I'm concerned about the university, but I'm more concerned. About the individuals that align themselves on both sides, and I'm fearful because that's one of our constitutional corporations, Wayne State University, and it's so instrumental to our uh, state as well as uh, our city, and it hasn't really been relevant in the city of Detroit in a long time. Sure, in a long
1: time. All right. Well, let's let's get to our, our one of our other issues. And uh, DPD, uh-huh. um, Chief Craig yesterday released the results of his internal investigation that found widespread corruption in the narcotics unit. How, how troublesome is this and how do you rid this type of behavior from DPD? Because we again, we've heard about this from past administrations as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know they even they even when it's far we've had drugs come up missing before in 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 one of the previous administrations. I think that uh, at some point the chief has to own up to responsibility. I think that this, when you have a chief that's deputy mayor at the same time, this all this proves is that he needs to focus on policing, and he shouldn't be deputy mayor at the same time. But deeper than that. I believe that the feds were already in and they had already uh, done most of the work. And I believe that it's part of protecting the narrative. And the narrative is that the police and the community are one and crime is down when this type of corruption is not just in narcotics. When you combine that with the racism and when you uh, combine that with the scandal with towing and when you combine that with the uh interdepartmental racism and in special pre in special uh units the department is in shambles and this is just one of many episodes of what's going on. I know that there's corruption in narcotics. I know that dope is planted on people and that fake war uh fake affidavits are are brought uh to be moved to the prosecutor's office. And this corruption is uh, one of the reasons why residency was important because it's very easy to not live in the area and to come in and do your dirt and then go home and be peaceful. But it's harder to be a part of that neighborhood or that community and then realize what you're doing to uh, destroy it and then go and sleep in that same area that you're destroying. But I think it's a failure of leadership. I think it's PR to try to make the guy look like he's uncovering something. You've been here six years. It took you this long? This is one of the main things you should have stepped into in the first place. Right. Instead of telling us we need to arm ourselves and shoot each other, you should have dealt with this corruption. Then you should have uh, did... Audits for racism within all your precincts and special uh, units. You should say, I don't want to be the deputy mayor. I'm more concerned about policing. That's what I'm here for. You should not be supporting Donald Trump and facial recognition technology and all these different things that are totally out of line with our community. And this uh, corruption in our cars is just part of a bigger issue corruption in policing. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people think that police brutality is when someone is getting shot by the cops or when someone is getting beat by the cops. That's one or two forms of police brutality. The worst form of police brutality, and this is our position, the coalition in 2020, is a department that's not properly managed in a community of color or in a community that's impoverished that needs community policing the most. That's police brutality.
1: And— I'm going to go back to the question I asked earlier. What does this do between the trust of the police and the residents of Detroit? Because clearly there's already been a divide yes. between the two entities. Yes. What does this mean in, ter- in terms of furthering um, the divide between DPD and the residents it's supposed to serve.
0: Right. It, it it widens it because you can't put – you can have neighborhood police officers or you can have a, a couple of community activists that you eat lunch with or have macaroni with, but that's just putting a, a silk hat on a pig's snout. What it does is it, it – we have to look at how many lawsuits are going to come out of this, how many wrongfully convicted people are going to sue, and what does that impact on the general fund? When you take a look at it, it it hurts the trust between the community and policing. And when you tie it to make your date, when you tie it to construction demolition, when you tie it to all types of scandals or any future lawsuits, it's just when the police department is out of line, it sets the tone for that entire city. So I would say that from a trust standpoint, it's worse. Now, if you're them on their side, uh, they will continue to have movie night with the seniors. They will continue to go and tell the seniors we love you and all of that. And the seniors, rightfully so, should be concerned about crime. And what what the chief and the mayor are looking at is they've come to a, a conclusion that the large amount of people in Detroit are willing to accept corruption as long as they can be safe. And I'm saying that's not true. I'm saying that's not true. So they say, well, um, yeah, there's some corruption in narcotics, but how many of our seniors that vote are out there selling drugs or how many of the seniors that actually vote are out there uh, buying drugs. So they're trying to play that. You see what I mean? Sure. There's a, a, a strategy to get reelected. But it's bigger than that because those same seniors that vote, maybe their grandsons or their sons got caught up for an illegal uh, drug right. stop or something right. like that.
1: And, and it's went as far as they went to people's homes and, and took some PlayStations. Like, yeah. you know, like. Right. like it's corruption. Okay, so, so it's like, OK, you know. The money aspect, I'm not a thief, I'm not a criminal. What I can see, you know, there's hundred thousand dollars worth of dope in, in a house and right. and you and you took it.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. I right. you know, it's Line's right,
0: are on training day. Yeah,
1: it's, it's yeah, lines on training day. Right. I, I can get that. But you come in somebody's house and take a a PlayStation. Right like
0: like <laughs> Like you couldn't. I could, mean, we know they're not getting paid enough. Right. But is, is but, it but that is it, bad? You gotta
1: get. You can't spend three hundred dollars on a PlayStation. Is it that bad? You know, is it that bad? Right. Or an
0: <laughs> Xbox? Or right. you know. And you can buy a used one for about buck fifty. Right. You know. So yeah.
1: so that that to me was was extremely troubling when I read the uh,
0: values and the ethics when you put on that badge. Uh, that means that you are upholding an oath. To make sure that you have values that are greater than the average person, you are a model and example for uh, uh, what excellence is. But you are still in playstations, still in. I'm like, I was in practice, not the game. We talking about PlayStation, right? <laughs> yeah, we talking about
1: PlayStation. <laughs> you know, and you know, and our folks are. You know, catch a hell in the streets.
0: Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then last two weeks ago, they ran up in a house out here in, uh, down the street in Oak Park. And they um, tore up the wrong house uh, looking for drugs. And I said, what are Detroit police doing out there in the first place and we, when we're strained? uh from a manpower perspective down here, then you're going out there. That's another lawsuit. Right. And then, you know, rest in peace, the great officer McLean, who gave his life for our citizens and should always be remembered like Elaine Williams and Kevin Miller and so many other great officers that we do have. Uh, we're now finding out that they were running up in people's houses, uh, choking people and doing things to people in the midst of trying to find the killer there. Right. So, we have to, we have an undisciplined force and it's undisciplined and that's not good. That falls on the leadership of the chief and city council should really uh, take a position as well as the police commission that if the police commission can fire their staff for not being on the up and up, then the chief should be doing the same thing. Sure.
1: All right well let's move to our last topic before we get out of here because we're running out of time okay. but I would be neglecting my duties if I didn't ask you about what happened with the Dimby Almont situation Ooh. and your thoughts about it um I have written about it yeah for full disclosure I have written I have, I written, I have written about it and and so I want your take on on what you see in terms of uh what happened with the racial incident. Um, but at at the semifinal game between Almont and Dimby,
0: one of the first things I thought about was your dad, and how, as athletic director and things of that nature, uh, a games of that of that magnitude have been played down here in our city. Uh, I think that 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 from a DPS standpoint, I think that we have to be and a community. We all have to come together, just the Tri County area. We all have to come together and say, this type of behavior will not be tolerated. I think that uh, the sheriff out here in Oakland County is trying to set up a situation to railroad some of our students, and that can't be uh, tolerated. I think that um, that game should have been played in a better location, and I think that that shows that the racism exists outside of our, uh, outside of our city and even within. And I think that the governor, I think the black caucus, I think the civil rights commission, the Oakland County commission, and all our elected officials and community leaders should be paying close attention and using whatever power they have to deal with this situation directly. Because if this continues, this will happen all over the state. If, what happened in Almont If those Alma, if those uh, individuals out are out there aren't dealt with, then it's hunting season for not only our players, but our parents, and staff, and faculty in in Detroit and other cities of color and black cities that go out. It can happen to Southfield. If Southfield goes up to the thumb to play or up to the rabbit's foot, the same thing can happen to us. So. I want everyone to understand that our students don't deserve that. Uh, I think that uh, Dr. VD is correct on that position of dealing with the uh, high school sports association. But the first person I thought about when I read your column, first person I thought about, I thought about your dad. And I thought about mm-hmm. in, 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 in these positions, this wouldn't have happened with a man like him at the helm, because first of all, them games would have been played way out. Well, it just wouldn't have Well, first of all, he would have been at the game. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. so. This wouldn't you know, have happened. And, and that's no indictment on, you know. On, on,
0: on what's going uh, on down on, there, because he's taking a position to right. protect our kids. But he would have, oh, man, it just wouldn't happen. happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, like I was saying, you know, he would have been there because that is, he cared about all of our kids. Right. And, and he wanted to make sure right. um, that when they were in um those kinds of situations that right. they knew that their administration was behind them. But, you know again, My son. that is, that is not an indictment upon um DPS right. C D. Because and, he BD
0: has taken a strong yes, position. A right. very, he has taken that. And I'm glad he's done that. I wish that the mayor and other leaders would would take those positions too, you see. And that's What's happening? Because my son's Southfield A and and the first thing he said, "That's not right." What's going on? He didn't say, "Oh, that's Detroit. That's on them." He saw racism, and he saw students, and he saw himself in that situation. And I was quite proud of him. But we have to. This is a. This is something. You know, Trent is on her way to the governor's office. She has worked in the educational institution. Hopefully, she can bring that to the governor's attention. And the lieutenant governor's attention. And we can make this a major issue because it is. And we can't sweep it under the rug. Sure, sure. Well,
1: all right, Chris, we're pretty much at the end of what we're going to do today. Um, Give us your final thoughts on all of the things that we've kind of talked to today, talked about today. And uh,
0: we can go from there. I think that we still suffer from shattered consciousness and fractured identity. I think that we're only as good as our fellow brother and sister with us, and we must band together to deal with these issues that confront us. Rather, it's corruption or racism in policing, racism in education. Uh, Rather, it's uh, voting roles. We have to make sure that that's accurate while making sure it's not an agenda to suppress our vote, and these are the things that we have to do, not only as activists, but as uh, spirits having a human experience.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate you coming on once again. Thanks for having me. And uh, you know, you continue the leadership that you do on the activist front, and we'll certainly keep our eye up on, keep our eyes open on what's what's coming down the pike Because I'm sure something <laughs> there's always something oh, yeah. that, that comes forward. And with that, we are going to wrap up another edition of Beyond the Headlines. And as we leave Beyond the Headlines, we'd like to always leave you with an inspirational quote to ponder for the next show. This one comes from Susan L. Taylor. In every crisis, there is a message. Crises are nature's way of forcing change, breaking down old structures, shaking loose negative habits so that something new and better can take their place. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.